Alright, welcome back to Soul and Soul. I am Sangmin. I'm Jesse. And today is the music episode you've all been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm really excited to talk about music. Uh, music is probably one of my favorite things to talk about. I feel like you learn so much about a person, a culture, um, through their music. So, super excited. Uh, I think mine is a little bit more like black history infused than yours maybe but I'm not yeah sure. uh, well mine too <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's true um where are you gonna start i was just gonna go i guess i we do have to talk about like music history yeah because i was gonna start in like 1800s are you going back further or where we at well, probably because that's, I mean, there's like traditional Korean music and then like modern music, okay. which we're all familiar with. Like traditional Korean music is a lot different. It sounds like, you know, very Asian-y. I don't know how to really explain it, but like a lot of string instruments, but also like, you know, those old drums. Um, but music was either played in like palaces and like festivals um for the party for the rich or they were played in like you know in the market where people like gather around to watch a play and then there is this specific thing called pansori which is like one person doing the whole play which is kind of like a musical with like one person doing the drums for the beats and then one person telling the story yeah, you sent me a clip of that, and I was like, is this a one-woman show? <laughs> it can be a woman. It can be, you know, a man. Sometimes it can be multiple people, I believe, but that's not, like, traditional pansori. That would be more, like, um, a mask play where they have, like, the different masks for different roles, like, you know, rich people or poor people, men, women, blah, blah, yeah. What's next then, I guess? What's next in traditional? Um, there is like really old songs that sound more like old Japanese songs. It probably comes from Japan because, you know, of our history. Um, they sound more like enka, um, but they're not called enka. They're called trotu, which is trot. Um, but it's like old ballad. I would say. And they they usually sound really sad. And they, ha like, all the lyrics are, like, about wars and famine, usually. Like, really, really mm -hmm. old trutsu. What, what, what are we talking about, like, when would this be? That would be, like, any time from, like, early 1900s to, like, into 50s, 60s. Okay, so you did send me on our playlist, you sent me a version of this. Like, maybe the first or second song? I did, but, like, really, really old ones sound a little different from what I sent you, too. Okay. Is it what you showed me, like, weeks ago? Do you remember what you showed me weeks ago? Oh, that's a little more modern. Hold on, let me see if I can find... This is not really a sad song, per se, but this is this is definitely old. Hold on, let's see. It sounds old, no? Mm-hmm. 
So this is more like a funny song. Would that be like, it sounds like something from like a musical or something like that, or like a play. Would that, or would that have just been like a song that people would sing? Yeah, I think this is just a regular song from 30s or the 40s. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. And then they go into, like, after the war, I think there is some exchange between... Which war, you, for our listeners' sake? The <laughs> Korean War. Sorry. <laughs> um, which happened in 1950. And after that, I think there was a little more exchange with, you know, the Western culture. Yeah. So the music, yeah, started going from whatever that was um and then into a little like I, I don't know what genre to call i don't know i i'm bad with history period so to talk about music history is even worse for me right now because i don't know the words but so like in the 60s i would say there was a little more almost like psychedelic rock too okay and then like a little funk ish sounds oh yeah i i the i remember in the playlist when i got to the part where i heard a bass i was like yes cool (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so that that was happening and then there were a couple of like rock groups that were really popular in the beginning and then in the 70s and into 80s it changed from more like rock to folk songs so just like people more like simon and garfunkel or because when i think of folk i think of and i'm probably wrong to think of this but i think of something like stevie nicks or fleetwood oh like fleetwood mac not when they're rocking out but like other parts of fleetwood mac yeah yeah that's yeah that's more folk okay yeah or like uh janice joplin kind of thing that was a little, maybe like 60s, 70s, and then from 70s to 80s, it was more like Simon and Garfunkel era. Just like, you know, a couple of dudes on a guitar singing really quietly. Yeah, so 70s into 80s, more folk song type. And then starting with the 90s, like dance music was really in. And Sotechi wa either really struck a chord because it was just three dudes doing hip hop, quote unquote. <laughs> and I don't I don't know if it's hip hop, but they said it's hip hop and it sounds more like Beastie Boys, I guess. <laughs> Sorry. I think. <laughs> I think. <laughs> And that got really popular. And that kind of like started the trend of having more like group. I guess they were more like idols. Because there were other um, groups too that were really popular. Um, Rula is one of the groups that were co-ed. And they were huge. But Sotejiwa either when they came out, they just like had so many fans, especially like teenagers. And they were like like Beatles level in Korea, huh. pretty much. That's yeah, yeah. I never really thought about if there were other groups as popular as the Beatles around. Mm. You know? But it was, I feel like they sang, the songs that they had was like very like teenage angsty songs too yeah i feel like a lot of people don't know that the beatles were a doo-wop group Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like they eventually with the help of a lot of drugs 
India (laughs) (laughs) and black people became who they were right Mm. Um, but the way that they started they started off covering like black girl bands you know black girl groups like uh on their first album they've got that song a cover of please mr postman where like john lennon and freaking paul mccartney are doo-wopping you know, I'm just like, this is wild. Wow. Yeah, I mean, we're we're gonna get into this when we talk about like black music, but like the Beatles yeah. definitely I wouldn't even say stole because the Beatles are one of the groups the few groups in mm-hmm. in white culture that credit their influences, right? Like Paul McCartney wow. would be the first one like, Yep, I, I do that because Little Richard did that. That's why I sing like that. But I saw Little Richard do it and I like it. wow so like they're actually they pretty much became as cool as they were because they were willing to take from different cultures and like credit it like george harrison may ended up sounding like george harrison because he went to india and discovered the sitar and was like that's a cool that's a cool instrument i'm gonna put that in our songs now so you know they're one of the good ones Kind of. I actually have nothing negative to say about the Beatles and everything negative to say about John Lennon, but that's a different story for a different (laughs) I would definitely want to listen to that eventually. (laughs) But Koreans love to not credit the people that they stole music from. Girl, you're... Okay, so... I keep mentioning these playlists. So Pac and I made each other playlists uh, in preparation for this like episode. And I didn't listen to Pax until like today because she didn't make it. <clears throat> but anyway, <laughs> when I was listening to it, I was like, did black people go to Korea and make some songs in Korea? Or what's happening? Because I, I swear I was like, is that voice of man? <laughs> is that and JoJo right now? Brian McKnight? What is happening? <laughs> we love Brian McKnight. I mean, who doesn't really love Brian McKnight? Yeah. <laughs> Brian McKnight will be played at my wedding if I ever have one. <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, you gotta just start back at one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So Yeah, so Korean R and B's like sound completely just like Boys to Men and Brian McKnight. I would say, I mean, I grew up in the 90s, so maybe I'm biased, but 90s music was, like, really good. Across the board, I, right? Yeah. All the culture. And so I was doing a little bit of research, and they said, like, right after the war, everybody was poor, um, couldn't really afford to buy, like, LP vinyls or anything like that. So nobody really had mm-hmm. access to it. Um, like, people really didn't have TVs. Maybe they had radios. And then as Korea's economy got better and better, they were like younger generations listening to it a little more. And then I think 90s was like the boom in Korea where like economy was doing really well. So everything else also did really well, including music. Hmm. So 90s is like, yeah, like they had dance, R&Bs, like all kinds of genre. Yeah, like there's um a lot of the, what I was listening to that playlist, reminds me of like a lot of 90s r&b and dance hall music and then there was that one song that kind of reminded me of paul abdul but 
that's a, a different one <laughs> but for the most part i was like oh like this kind of sounds like swv i don't know if you know what group that is no um swv is short for sisters with voices um mm. and they're very similar to the group in vogue uh-huh. I, like i think of the same like they came out around the same time they were popular for around the same time mm. in vogue might have a, a few more hits in them mm-hmm. um but they're pretty close to being mm-hmm. the equivalent mm-hmm. um so there was a little bit of that there that i i heard and like i i like it i mean i liked it when it came out of my community i have questions though <laughs> <laughs> of, course, you know? of course like i i very much enjoyed it when i heard uh it the first time <laughs> <laughs> And so there's no way that I'm not going to enjoy hearing it in Korean. But I, I like, I got to wonder, like you said before, it's not really credited, Mm-mm. right? Like, I feel like I had to do a deep dive to give you what I was like. I know I heard this song before mm-hmm. and I had to go look for it to find it for you. Mm-hmm. And I have, um, I was on the website who sampled, you know, mm-hmm. to try to see if I could see if maybe they had credited someone yeah. and the ones that I could just like type in because some of them were with Korean characters and I couldn't type it in. I didn't find anything. Yeah. You know, and I was like, you might not a sample sample, but you sampled, you know? Yeah. Like, you didn't <laughs> like, you didn't take, just lift something out of a song and da da da, but yeah. you, you definitely sampled the beats, the vibe, the sparkle. <laughs> the vibe, like, sparkle. The spark. As soon as I heard that one, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> but this is like baby making music. The sparkle <laughs> is equivalent with baby making music. So I got questions about the cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. I got questions about whether there was a population boom after. <laughs> <laughs> and like currently in Korean music, is there any? Is there any acknowledgement of that? Like, do current Korean artists be like, yes, I was influenced by this Korean artist, but that Korean artist was probably influenced by these Black people or these other people? They say they are influenced. So one of the producers that I was talking about earlier, um, JYP, who owns a huge um, entertainment company. So if you guys listen to K-pop, you guys definitely know JYP. Um, But he always said he really loves black music and he grew up here too i think um okay and like he has like what is it like practice rooms named after like all the black musicians that he adores so okay it's not like he's denying that he didn't get influenced but like is it plagiarism is it not like there's a fine line there and like I don't think I don't think there's a line, right? If you tell people where you got shit from, it's not plagiarism. Like that's literally the rule for plagiarism. If you quote it and you tell me where you got it, you didn't plagiarize it. Right. But he would he wouldn't say, Oh, I sampled this song or that song. Mm. Like he, Yeah. Okay, so he he credited the black race instead of that particular black artist. Exactly. So gotcha. gotcha. He has cool. yeah. yeah. He has a lot of songs that he made that just it sounds like you know a lot of other songs but he doesn't really credit it that's the 
And like from my research, it says that Koreans didn't really have a sense of like copyright or anything like plagiarism or anything like that. So mm. they they probably stole music left and right and didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But they did go through like a lot of trials and they were like, oh, this is not plagiarism. It might be influenced by certain songs and whatever. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Mm. all right all right i guess like it's okay it's still not acceptable but yeah, it's, it's not. a little bit, it's a little bit better than i thought going into it <laughs> okay. um it's a it's a it's better than what you're gonna hear me talk about with like mm. the white folks and black music mm-hmm. but it's it's also just like um i think okay i think one of the best things about music is like that collaboration yeah like i think that so many of the genres that we have today are because not necessarily because of racial collaboration but just because different types of music being brought together and being like creating this new one yeah so like i don't really have a problem with koreans like using and sampling black people's Uh music whatsoever i think that's dope actually like like hearing an r&b song and knowing that that is absolutely r&b was like kind of comforting because when i got your playlist like I was like, shit, I'm, like, not going to know a single song on here, uh-huh, right? Uh-huh. Like, like I'm, like, I'm not going to know anything. I'm not, I might not be able to understand what's happening. I'm only going to get, like, the vibe from, like, some singing, you know, yeah. but, like, mostly instruments. Yeah. Like, that's what, and so, like, when I did hear that little sparkle, I was like, yeah, I know that kind of shit. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> And so it did make me feel more connected nice. to Korean people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the credit needs to go back as well, yeah, you know? Yeah. And that's it. Like, I'm like, do it. Use it. Fine. Cool. Pay for it like you should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, credit the influences on that particular song. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it did provide a little bit of comfort with the unfamiliarity of like, not really understand. I don't know if I understand like a lick of Korean, you know, <laughs> like not a single iota of Korean besides like what I get from body language kind of thing. Mm. And so I was like, oh man, I'm kind of going in here blind. So it was comforting, mm. but I had a lot of questions afterwards. I was like, <laughs> oh, wait, wait. <laughs> but yeah, it was interesting. I, I liked it actually. I liked it. It's interesting. To me, because it made me really realize that, like, R&B is, like, such a... I, us- I usually think about it as, like, the singer and the song, but mm-hmm. it's 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 a distinct musical style, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like, when I, when I think of R&B, I think about, like, Heartbreak and, like, Usher. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and things like that. Um, maybe some Fantasia thrown mm-hmm. in, like, you know... Some Mariah Carey. So I, it was really cool to see another culture try. And I wish that I had like a translated version mm-hmm. to see if like the themes of the music were similar to. Yep, they are. Yep, cool. Because like we all got blues, <laughs> <laughs> and Koreans love listening to sad songs. I feel like all all of the R and B's and like I guess ballad. They call it ballad. But I guess it's kind of more R and B. They're all they're all sad. They're like oh, <laughs> breakup songs and yep. one sided love. Yeah, and like 
Okay, so I, I, I also did a lot of research and I kind of want to go in order, but about R&B, like, it starts in like the 19, late 1930s, 1940s in America. <gasps> wow. Yeah, and so it is not necessarily what we, I'm, I associate it with now, like modern R&B. It's been around for forever, well, not for forever, but for a long ass time, you know, wow. for like, 80 90 years and it's it's very similar themes you know like i was listening mm-hmm. to some r&b from the 40s i was like i fucks with it <laughs> like i fucks with it hard um it's cool i like because i hadn't really thought about it like where certain music from my community comes from if that makes sense mm-hmm. like R&B can't have just popped up in the middle of the 80s, 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, with what we all associate with R&B. Yeah. It had to have been, like, a progression to it. Mm-hmm. And there was, apparently. <laughs> mm-hmm. I guess I can start from the top and give you my history, too. Yeah. All right. So I'm going to go from, like, I don't know, sometime during slave times until like present and there's like a couple things in here that i found out today that i was like whoa (laughs) okay Mm. Um, so i knew that i was gonna start off with negro spirituals um Mm -hmm. no not really okay so they're like they're popular obviously during um like times when we were enslaved and even still to the day but they Mm -hmm. it's really like the like a combination of influences from African music, so from mm. where they came from, and then influences from European Christianity, where they are, right? Um. And it kind of gets mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's really, really fucking cool about these spiritual songs, which I've like always never really thought about, but I'm like, that's dope, right? So mm. they are usually, usually, not all of them, but oftentimes they are, there are directions written in the song for how to escape your slave master and how to get to freedom. And I'm like, black people are great. <laughs> like, black people are great. I'm going to play you one, actually. Okay. Uh, I'm going to play you my favorite one. The lyrics are actually, are actually like directions for what you should do to avoid the, the slave master's dog. Whoa. Here now? Yep. and so like that that whole thing is that chorus is about like you should go into the water so they lose your scent wow so it was like directions like you need to go kind of so you need to go somewhere where you're going to lose your scent and you can continue to go um you need to wade in the water and then there's the one another one that i really like is called follow the drinking gourd Mm-hmm. Um, and the drinking gourd is actually a meta a metaphor for the North Star. So follow the North Star to get home. To, or not get home, to escape. There ain't no home. <laughs> you can't get home. Yeah. But when the sun comes back and the first quail calls, follow the drinking gourd. There's the old man waiting for to carry you to freedom. And I've obviously been like 
giving you more modern adaptations of this, mm-hmm. right? Because that's not what it would have sounded like with the mm-hmm. guitar and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But these these Negro spirituals had um this is where you first hear like the banjo, right? Mm-hmm. Um they have like influences from African drumming, things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and they were sung obviously on the plantation. They were sung as maybe you were escaping. Um, I think of, when I think of them often, I think of gospel, right? There's a mm-hmm. lot of roots of gospel in these songs, like the spirituals. Mm-hmm. Um, what we know as gospel um, and these same negro spirituals have our song in churches mm-hmm. like I remember the first time I heard Wade in the Water was at church mm-hmm. um, and it's still a song that gives me chills every time I hear it like hearing um, pretty much any rendition that I've ever heard of that song always gives me chills because you can like you can feel it you know like you right. can feel that urge for freedom you can feel that pain that emotion that like what i need to i need to go um there's a a lot of biblical references right which is why i say that it does kind of combine european christianity like way in the water definitely references moses however Mm. also know that harriet tubman's code name was moses right so like there's a lot Mm. of like entendres there that I really I'm always so impressed by like how fucking smart black people are and like neuro mm-hmm. spirituals are one of the things that I'm like yep that's that's a great example right because not only they like serve the purpose of like escapism or escaping and stuff like that but mm-hmm. also like escapism like you all were singing this in the field so you could like get through this fucking day because yeah. you have no choice but to get through this day yeah, yeah. And I feel like that is what music has always been for Black Americans, right? Like mm-hmm. ever since these Negro spirituals, like we make these, we make music to heal. We make these yeah. music to like to try to process the situation that we're in. Yeah. Um, and so I, I definitely wanted to start there because everyone and anyone should know about Negro spirituals because a lot of the music that we listen to comes from them, right? Mm-hmm. Comes from that word. Um, but then I wanted to skip. A little bit like I okay I'm I'm gonna be put all my cards on the table here I don't like blues I don't really like jazz but I felt the need that we should probably talk about both oh man <laughs> I love I love jazz and blues <laughs> like um I don't dislike them I've learned I feel like they're an acquired taste the older I've gotten mm-hmm. the more I've liked them mm-hmm. um but I'm not a fan of like instrumentals per se mm-hmm. and so when I was younger a lot of the things that my parents introduced to me that were blues and jazz were like instrumentals mm-hmm. and the whole time that we listened I was like can can he just say the words because I know what the oh. words are <laughs> like, can we put the words to this um so that's like a personal preference but like mm-hmm. I can't say I don't like blues and jazz because it's pretty much everything that came like so much of it comes from that you know mm-hmm. so much of it music comes from it but i wanted to talk about like a a couple of pretty big characters Mm -hmm. in like early 1900s to like 1940s area era Mm -hmm. which were like blues jazz that original og r&b i was talking about early earlier really kind of like sprang up right and blues is first Mm -hmm. um r&b is actually kind of second right because it's rhythm and blues Right. And then jazz kind of springs up as a like a merging of the two. Uh-huh. Right. 
with a lot of like improv. So like I think of I guess based on like the research and what I know about jazz, I kind of think of jazz as like a sped up blues, but not necessarily all blues songs were slowed down. But you know what I mean? Like a, a more a sped up blues that like has a lot, a lot of improv, right? Um, mm-hmm. Because jazz kind of starts in New Orleans, right? And not kind of starts. Jazz definitely starts in New Orleans. Um, and jazz starts in New Orleans with a bunch of musicians who can't read music. Mm. They're, they're not following some, this is what the song should sound like. Mm. Um, it, they're following like what they know how to play and how to vibe off of each other and how to fill in the blanks and the missing pieces and stuff like that. So for me, that's pretty cool. Right. Like when I, especially as someone who like, um, who plays the bass, mm-hmm. but like yeah. doesn't know how to read music, I was like, that, mm-hmm. I feel that, right? Like mm-hmm. that works out for me well. Cause like I feel like I play the bass pretty well. Um, and there are mm-hmm. certain things about the bass that just come more naturally to me than mm-hmm. other instruments I've tried to play. Like I tried to learn mm-hmm. how to do the piano. Um, guitar and bass are very similar, but fuck a chord, hate a chord, <laughs> could do without. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so like I was like I felt really connected in that moment because I know for sure that the people who created jazz could play their asses off but they didn't need sheet music Mm. I've always felt some kind of like ah I can't read tabs am I really a bassist you know like that imposter syndrome like yeah yeah, you are and your ancestors didn't read that shit either cool (laughs) Um, neither did the Beatles by the way what yeah, they couldn't read music either. I'm sure they can at this point. But when they started and while they were performing, they couldn't. That's so crazy. like, it's pretty dope, right? So that really speaks to me, like that mm-hmm. aspect of jazz, like that. Mm-hmm. And it's part of my bass playing that I want to improve. Like, mm-hmm. I can cover pretty much any song at this point, but mm-hmm. I want to be able to like walk into a uh, a room and have other musicians playing and then find my spot. Mm-hmm. You know, like fill it in. Yeah, uh, which I think would be really cool. Yeah, but. We're going to start with how we, I mean, we could talk about how black, white people stole the blues, but I'm really going to talk about how they literally, literally stole jazz, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's wild, right? So starts in New Orleans. Yeah. It becomes pretty popular in New Orleans. Yeah. Everyone loves it, white, black included. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't become popular in mainstream America until a white band from New Orleans steals some of their, like, the music that they've been listening to, that they grew up to, <sighs> and gets, gets, like, a recording deal and eventually influences the rest of America to like jazz. This is why, like, those bougie people that we know in New York think that jazz is, like, yeah, they'll credit Black people, you know, they'll give... you'll. They'll give you like the black jazz musicians that are famous and they'll be like, yeah, that's yeah. great. Kind of how they'll be like, oh, Hank Aaron's awesome. You know, they'll give you your Louis Armstrong and your your Duke Ellington and things like that. But mm-hmm. jazz has been around in New Orleans for longer than anyone gives it credit for. <sighs> right. So the jazz band that eventually steals and becomes becomes popular is like called the original Dixieland Jazz Band. And this is in 1970. <gasps> Wow! It's not lost. The irony and the audacity of white folks are not lost on me. How dare they name a band the original when they fucking stole it? Okay, which is like wild to me. That I did not know. Yeah. So I mean, like I've told anyone and everyone who will listen to me talking about music, being like, "Y'all got it from black people," because like that, I. 
you can just like hear certain things and yeah i don't mean to be rude but you just know that that came from a black person's brain you know i'm like your life wasn't wasn't hard enough for you to come up with that <laughs> like you had it too good for you to need to, <laughs> to need to express yourself like this and that's how that's how i feel about blues and jazz right like it's like that's that's why i feel like koreans especially are more connected with um black music in general because we went through certain historical events that made us feel pain and sadness and that all comes out in music even like like in traditional korean music too and there's like a music is like you said earlier um is healing so there are these like interpretive dances or like music that kind of like lets them be a little more free and release all those emotions yeah so white people definitely <laughs> didn't feel any of that that's what i'm saying i was like i was like in my head i'm thinking i was like how can someone possibly think that white people came up with jazz Mm-mm. they follow the same script it's not like they improv in anything let me just go in steal from some some brown people go out like it's the same script over and over They're, they don't improv anything anyway <laughs> um, i feel like i can't i can't talk about jazz and blues without talking about like some of my favorite 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 um female artists and mm-hmm. that's like josephine baker billy holiday ella fitzgerald like uh they're dope right like they're some of mm-hmm. my favorite like i feel about them the same way i feel about my favorite author or mm-hmm. with zora neil herson tony morrison is my second i know everybody thinks she's my first she's my second um mm-hmm. but you know zora neil herson's been dead you gotta you gotta stand people while they're alive you gotta give them their flowers while they're alive which is why i was so tony morrison heavy but i mm-hmm. i feel like 1920s music and art in general like the harlem renaissance is a renaissance yeah. it's like because yeah. there are just so many things that happened during the 20s in terms of black artistry that are just like amazing right like so yeah. as, stuff that I, as someone who doesn't really like going back to that type of music i can't help myself you know mm. because it's so good uh, I also want to mention this cool guy that I learned about like this week actually uh, mm-hmm. named Eugene Ballard uh, mm-hmm. who I'm told by one of our friends was like pretty much instrumental with like establishing jazz in Europe uh, which, which is kind of crazy to me so I'm sure you and like our listeners know that like in the 1920s, 30s, there was like a mass exodus of black artists to Europe, right? You got Josephine Baker, you've got this guy, Eugene Ballard. A lot of black artists found that they could do more things in Europe than they, not to say that there were like anti-blackness and racism in Europe, but like they had mm-hmm. more freedom in, and more acknowledgement even in mm-hmm. Europe. Right. And so Josephine Baker and uh, Eugene Ballard are like kind of tied together. So he was like a he was like a jazz club owner and also did music, but also also was a civil rights activist, was a the the first African-American pilot ever. Um, What? was a spy he's a cool dude he's really cool (laughs) like he's like a very very cool dude and so he really opened up one of france's like first jazz clubs if not the first one wow yeah which is like wild and cool 
you know? Uh, same thing with Josephine Baker. Like, she could not have been Josephine Baker in America, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, she's kind of known for her raunchy programs, you know? Like, that wasn't going down in 1920s America. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't about to go down, especially from a Black woman. Fuck mm-hmm. that. Mm. like not at all and so i when i was doing my research i was like okay 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 so we've got all this shit that we've that black people are doing how do white people steal it like because that's always been my thing like how (laughs) how exactly did the theft go down (laughs) and i don't know why in all the times that i've thought about this question like the answer has been looking me in the fucking face because it's what it's what happens to black culture even today Mm. right so it's basically what happened is the equivalent of what has happened with like i don't know kim kardashian and co and like a a bunch of other a bunch of other non-black people who adopt black things and make them popular and never credit black people Mm. i mean that's it's such an obvious answer um but it doesn't it's crazy because like it's uh, obviously it's a little bit more nuanced because the way that they did it is the same way that's happening today which is why black people today get so upset about these instances of blackface whether it be Mm or it be like someone like black fishing as I like to call it I don't know if that's a term that other people know but it's it's the same thing as like a catfish except for it's those people who pretend to be black you know like the Sean Kings the Rachel Dozels that one chick from Columbia Columbia University who just got caught oh yeah so they would do it with like menstrual shows so I like some of some of white people's best entertainment is like making black people look smaller than them you know or making yeah. them look pretty. and so those yeah. are mystery shows to me like to, whenever i think of a menstrual show i'm thinking about an uncle tom tap dancing you know like you're, mm-hmm. just, you're just performing for white people and i know that not everybody who wasn't menstrual wanted to be you know or like really thought about that but like you know we still see minstrels today people who put on airs for white people who perform certain tasks do certain songs for for white people and it's like all right cool but that's how they got us before and then literal blackface right so white actors would dress up as black people with blackface and perform black songs to white audiences and then they were like oh i like this (sighs) yeah so you know like places this happened the cotton club um which was like an amazing club but also refused to like would let black people perform there like billy holiday performed at the cotton club but like did not respect billy holiday you know like have you yeah. have you ever heard strange fruit by her because that's probably my favorite billy holiday no i don't think so i'm gonna play it for you Southern trees have strange fruit, blood on the leaves and blood at the root, black bodies swinging in the southern breeze. Strange fruit hanging from the poplar trees. So, 
song is all about white people lynching us, right? But yeah, I I did listen to this song. Once you once you said "Strange Fruit," and I was like, "Oh wow, yeah. this is the song!" Like it's that song, right? Yeah, it's it's that song, and it's it's easily my favorite song from that time period. <sighs> Honestly, what they did to Billie Holiday, like I hope those people rot in hell, right? Because like it's the same kind of thing that ended up happening to Zora Neale Hurston. She pretty much like I think Zora Neale Hurston is buried in almost like an unmarked grave, which is crazy. Like one of the, if not the best writer of that century or close to it, right? Buried in an unmarked mm-hmm. grave because she had the audacity to speak about black people. Um, which is, you know, crazy. Strange Fruit was is so good though. I think it came out in like the late thirties. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe early forties, but I think late thirties is where I'm at. Um, but yeah, she ends up dying of like liver disease. Um mm-hmm. I remember one of the, the biggest like st- or the, the most memorable story I remember my parents telling me about her as a child was like the time that she dipped her toe into a pool and because she was mm-hmm. a black woman they drained the whole pool and refused to let her go in yeah right it's like uh but if you guys really want to know more about billy holiday i highly recommend watching the biography about her because the person who plays her is diana ross which is fantastic oh yeah so also if you want to hear about her you could read her own autobiography you know Mm -hmm. um other things that are cool about billy holiday but are fucked up about our society she won four grammy awards but all of them were after she died oh what yeah give give our people their flowers while they're here um but yeah like that's like 1940s 1930s 20s 40s um black music was popping and who knew we would only go up from there you know um i'm not i i refuse to acknowledge the fact that um certain rappers exist in 2021 so don't ask me about like anybody who's got little or baby in their name or any of that shit young they don't exist they don't i mean they exist but i'm not counting them (laughs) (laughs) um i'm not counting them at all so the next genre of music I want to talk about uh, is country um, mm. because you know you know I love country music yeah uh, like uh, you know it's just like my thing throw me some Darius Rucker and I'm 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 yours right like Sugarland <laughs> we're good um, but I also am very careful about the country music which I consume um, because like country music currently has like such a a horrible reputation with black people you know like mm-hmm. with how they treated black artists i'm um, looking at you little nas x who they didn't want to even put on the hot uh top 100 country even though you were number one mm-hmm. like with old town road like in the amount of people who were am- amazed by the fact that not little nas x made he's the only little i'll i'll consider sorry but the only they were like so amazed that he made a song like that when like really it's not like he's like bringing black music to white music he's Mm. bringing the black back out of what has been gentrified Mm. what has been whitewashed because country music started with black people too spoiler alert all the stuff i'm going to talk about start with black people and white people stole it 
right? So what do you, what would you say is the, when you think of country, what's the first instrument that you think of if you're thinking about country? Maybe top two. Top two, I would definitely say banjo. That's it. That's yep. it. That, and didn't I tell you that was ours? Yeah. <laughs> right? Because a banjo is actually like, um, like a descendant of an African lute. Right. Um, so like this is when those blackface shows and those minstrel shows really, really did spread this music, right? And then white people claimed it as their own. But it started it started with white or with black people. Um, we probably make I'm not gonna say we make the best country, but we do. <laughs> <laughs> We do, but we, there's so little of us in that genre now, yeah. right? Yeah. But, like, think of where Black people come from. Like, country comes from the deep South, the deep South yeah. of Black people, you know? Um, and it, it's ours. I want us to reclaim that as a community. I've already done my part. I want everybody else to, because <laughs> I like a banjo. Like, <laughs> who don't like a banjo? Like, it sounds good. It is, it is musically pleasing to the ear. I just have like this really bad association with it because I'm thinking of like like some hillbilly Hatfield and McCoy yeah. shit. You know? Like I have that really like honky donk, you know, like yeah. this is someone who lives in the country kind of thing. Yeah. But it is someone who lives in the country. It just happens to be a black person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So country music, we'll take it back. I want it. I want it. I want. I want to have to stop telling other black people that it's ours. <laughs> right because you know black people make fun of other black people that listen to country because they're like oh that's not white shit i'm like god damn open a history book because it's ours <laughs> yeah and i'm also i'm you know from indiana so and with a mother from georgia so country was wow. gonna be a thing for mm-hmm. me no matter how i shook it mm-hmm. so like my mom actually introduced me to my first country mm-hmm. yeah totally because you know my mom fucking loves her some willie nelson <laughs> Johnny Cash, like that's mm. that's her shit. Mm. Um, I'm going to skip over the elephant in the room because I want to talk about it a lot because it, you know, it bugs me about what happened with rock and roll. Right. Um, but I'm going to come back to it, and I'm going to talk about two ones that are probably surprising to you and our listeners because this shit was it was surprising to me, even though I don't know why. <laughs> so, house music, black person. Techno music, black person. Wow. And I was like, oh, wow. y'all, like, white people come up with anything? Because they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I was like, at the very least, I thought they had techno in house, you know? <laughs> I thought that was fair. Because I, I associate that stuff with like European raves, mm. you know? And like, white people doing acid at the Brooklyn Bowl, you know? Like, right. that. That's kind of where I'm at with that, you know. However, house music originated in Chicago. And this one actually actually like hurts my soul that this man does not have like the credit where he needs to have credit. So he's a man named Frankie Knuckles. He's a black Latino gay man, right? And he created he created house music for brown gay people to vibe in the South. <sighs> And so it like really, really hurts my soul that it has been like just completely co-opted and turned into this like druggy rave scene kind of shit. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm just like, 
god damn like this one that one hurts on like two levels for me i was like ah mm-hmm. oh, you stole it from my queer man and you stole it from black people no <laughs> like, um that one really really like ugh, in my soul but yeah. so his name's frankie knuckles know his name remember his name frankie knuckles um and then techno was started by this guy named dj robert hood mm-hmm. um and techno also i'm like pissed off that this has been like co-opted but uh i feel like this one is particularly insidious uh because Techno was supposed to be intentionally pro-black, right? It was it was protest music. What? Yeah, and this is in like it just starts in the 1980s in Detroit. It's supposed what? to be protest music, and so it wasn't supposed to become like the punk rock scene and like the mosh pit and like the like the electronic music that we know today. Mm. It was meant to be like legit like fight the power music <laughs> so um yeah so that one those two really got me because i was just like no like we we erase so many black geniuses all the time you know mm. um like all the time because like even the most racist person in the world cannot go throughout their day without using something that was invented or by black <sighs> Like mm-hmm. so, we just like oftentimes don't give black people the credit for their genius. But these two in particular, like that hurt because like they were very, they were created. These genres of music were created for very specific purposes, mm-hmm. you know, to help the black community. And then have been so whitewashed that I don't even think you could say that they're associated with what they were. Like at this point, like I, when I think of house music, I think of people doing drugs, in a in a, in a dark dance floor with yeah. strobe lights, yeah. and the same techno, yeah, right, like house and techno, like David Guetta or whatever his name is, yeah. or yeah. Calvin Harris, like no, no, <laughs> like give it back, yeah. <laughs> give them all back. Or at least tell people where you came from, you know, like let them know because those two. Whew. So Frankie Knuckles, DJ Robert Hood, some black pioneers that deserve nice. their flowers as well. Nice. Um, but let's talk about rock and roll. This one, um, this one is, I think, particularly uh, close to my soul in that I have I have a tattoo on my back of the word hound dog. You know, mm-hmm. and I feel like a lot of people, I got it because of Elvis, but for a very specific reason, like um, it's a tribute to my friend that died and how we would, the only time that, like whenever she and I would argue, because we didn't really get along as well as people think, I think, based on how I talk about her now, like she was like, she's like a sister to me, but like the sister I didn't really like, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Like the sister that was always on my case and was always, like, you know, we we but we butted heads like siblings, absolutely mm-hmm. right. Um, but one of the few things that we could always agree on was being like in her car listening to Hound Dog, mm-hmm. right? and so that's why it's on my back. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got the I've got two spoons underneath it because you know 
she used to steal spoons because she's a weirdo. She's totally weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Stole spoons from every restaurant. And so that tattoo really means a lot to me. But I got it in like, ooh, like 2012, 2013-ish, you know? Mm-hmm. Sometime, I think I was still, I think I was still in college. If I wasn't mm-hmm. in college, I graduated when I got it. But mm-hmm. I think I was still in college. Um, and so years later, I like, I kind of connected something I had already known, but hadn't put together before I got a tattoo. And it really bugged the shit out of me because like, it took me forever to decide on this tattoo because I like, I was like, it's going to be on your body forever. You got it. You got yeah. I like it right um but like hound dog is a stolen song mm. you know um and it's by big mama thornton you know mm. elvis heard her play it stole it whitewashed it and there we are you know uh so that king of rock and roll fucking stole shit from black people as as to be expected as, as from the conversation right. i'm sure i was going there but yeah. like it really bugs me that I have Hound Dog on my back because yeah. I mean now now I tell people like that's in honor of Big Mama Thornton yeah. fucking Elvis but like that's not why I got it you know and so it really bugs me how ingrained the whitewashing or rock and roll is that like I've I've heard her version of Hound Dog I heard her version of Hound Dog before I got it. Mm-hmm. It never occurred to me that it was hers first. Mm. You know? I thought that was an established fact, though. Like, everybody knows that rock and roll is pretty much, you know, black people music stolen by us. I I feel like that should be an established fact. I feel like if ever a bunch of white people were to listen to our podcast, we would get angry comments about that statement. Right, it sh- it should absolutely be a established fact because we've got people like freaking Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Sister Rosetta Tharp, uh, and like Big Mom Thornton. Like all of these people were the people that were jacked. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Um, and some of them do have uh, like some of them do have some credit already been given to them. You know, mm. like. Everybody knows who Chuck Berry and Little Richard are, mm. you know. Um, but then, like, oh, like Sister Rosetta Tharp, like that, it pisses me off, right? Because you know what they call her? What? Like the Godmother of Soul, and I hate that because she started it. So she's where it starts, right? Mm. She's the one who really combines all of the influences from like jazz, blues that OG R&B and like adds that guitar, that little flair to mm. make it that rock and roll that we mm. all know. Um, and I hate that she's called the godmother because a godmother yeah. is someone who didn't birth it. Mm. And she did. You know what I'm saying? Um, and the same thing, I feel like there's another person on my list who they, I think they call Frankie Knuckles like the godfather of house music or maybe it's Robert Hood, the godfather of techno. Fuck mm. that. If you made it, you're not a godfather parent right like if it is yours how can you be a godparent yeah and so like the, even like the way that they try to give these black 
pioneers their their flowers pisses me off because she she's not the godmother of soul she's a mother mm. y'all came from her y'all figured it out from her um so rock and roll i mean that's always going to be a source spot because people even today like if you're listening to rock music people are like that's some white shit and i'm like it's not <laughs> <laughs> You're right. What they've done with it, you're mm-hmm. no, no complaints there. I agree. <laughs> you know, like no, no, I'm not. I'm, you're right. <laughs> yeah. Like, like um, what's that one been? Nickelback is y'all's. I, you're right. Nickelback. <laughs> they, they have a new iPhone um commercial. Why? With- with that song, look at this photograph. Yeah, yeah. He's actually like showing the photograph. This one, oh, look at this photograph. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's so funny. <laughs> but you know, like, listen, like, there are absolutely parts of rock and roll that are entirely white, and y'all can have them. Because <laughs> I don't see any black influence in Nickelback or like Hooba Stank. <laughs> or like, I don't know. Screamo's theirs, maybe. I don't know. I don't like Screamo. I didn't like, I don't like Screamo enough to have researched it, but maybe that's theirs. I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. I don't like it enough to. <laughs> It does sound like something that they would create a music where they just scream at the audience and tell them what they feel. <laughs> it does sound like it could be there. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so rock and roll is like, I feel like if you're thinking about most of the music that has come after rock and roll, so much of it has like that huge rock and roll influence. Yeah. Um, You know, and like jazz, blues, R&B, totally influential as well. But like rock and roll has like, basically once it became popular, took over the whole scene for decades, you know? Yeah. Um, And I feel like at that time, like, obviously, there are 100%, like, rock influences in Black music in that, like, in that time period, you know? Like, mm-hmm. Janet has a lot of guitarists. And, like, there, there's just, like, there's definitely musicians that did include elements of it. But mm-hmm. I feel like what became more popular for us during that time was R&B. Mm. You know, because, like... I, uh, if we're looking at that playlist that I made you, like a lot of the stuff that comes from the the seventies and the eighties are more like R and B like ballads. Mm. I don't even want to say ballad because in, in I feel like a ballad for a black person is like Mariah Carey, you know, mm-hmm. sings ballads, mm-hmm. sing ballads, but like. Usher doesn't really sing a ballad. Right. Um, But, like, we've got... Oh, I guess... Okay, I'm lying. Because, like, rock and roll was really prevalent in, like, my favorite... One of my favorite artists from that time. Mm -hmm. My girl, Tina Turner, who is, like, amazing. Uh, Right. I love love this 
You know she denounced her U.S. citizenship. Good for her. Oh yeah. <laughs> Good for her. She's living her best life in France, like all the girls mm-hmm. before her. Um, <laughs> I fucking love this woman. Like I, I don't. I like. Mm. Her story is like so profound and so good, and uh, and fuck Jay Z for making fun of her getting that cake shoved in her face in his song. Yeah. You know, you know, Drunken Love. Yeah. All right. You know that part where he's like, "Eat the cake, anime." Yeah. It's a oh. Tina Turner reference, and yeah. it's from it's from this like really okay. This movie is like iconic. Parts of it are funny that should not be funny. I'm just going to preface that. There are parts of it which I like, I literally sit down and I laugh. It's not funny. Domestic abuse is not funny. But like, Lawrence Fishburne deserves to have his ass beat for how he acted some of these scenes. All right. (laughs) But but the the Tina Turner like biopic is like Angela Bassett and Lawrence Fishburne and like she's Tina, he's Ike. And it goes through like the him finding her him being in a club, finding her, yada, 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 um, her becoming, like, you know, Tina Turner. Yeah. Um, and then it also goes into, like, uh, the crazy amounts of domestic abuse that she has uh-huh. to deal with. At um, because Ike Turner is, like, like, oh, wife beater. Like, that's, oof, you know? Um, and so there's a scene in the movie uh-huh. where um, he, one of her backup singers, and her, and one of his friends, who I'm not sure is, I'm not sure if that friend is dating the backup singer or not, I forget at this point, but there's like four people, they're at a diner, um, somebody, maybe he's ordering, or a waitress, I'm not sure how this scene starts, but like a cake is put in front of her, and she's like, I'm not hungry, I don't want it, and he's like, eat the cake anime, because that's her name, mm-hmm. that's her real name. Uh, yeah and so he's like eat the cake anime and she doesn't want to right and so he like shoves her face in this cake it's like a really violent public domestic abuse scene right like there are kids watching they're like what the heck her friend gets like i think her friend gets injured in this scene too it's like a little hazy this whole i probably should watch this movie again it's one of my faves. Mm. But like, you know, Jay-Z, no respect. Eat the cake and a man. Like, I don't care if that fit in your rap. It's not funny. Dang. It's not funny. And like a, a bunch of black people were like, you guys are being, like people who were upset, other black people were like, you guys are reading too much into it. No, we're not. Hmm. Right? Like, black women are, are more likely to be abused by black men than any other group. So, no, we're not. <laughs> like, no, we're not. Um, so, you know, I feel like a lot of black contemporary music makes light of, not necessarily domestic abuse, but makes light of, like, really fucked up things that men do to women. And I'm like, that's not cool. <laughs> Uh, which is why I don't think I put something on your playlist. I also got lazy and didn't finish because I was 45 songs in. Um, <laughs> but I don't think I put anything on your playlist from past like 2000. Yeah. There's like maybe, there's like one song that's past 2010. Mm-hmm. But it's only because I like the Empire soundtrack. Mm. Um, 
but there, that was I think that was very purposeful of me because like I love rap I love hip hop yeah um, rap and hip hop have a woman problem yeah you know? they very much do and in ways that like other other genres which are considered quintessentially black don't mm. you know like R&B has these moments they have these characters in R&B that are like whoo very bad for women looking yeah. at you Robert but <laughs> <laughs> but they like overall it's not necessarily a genre that I or I don't think anyone else you guys can correct me if I'm wrong associate with misogyny mm. You know, but I very much associate rap and at times hip hop with misogyny, mm. Mm. you know, and it's like it's I didn't really bother. I don't want to say bother, but I didn't really research um, hip hop and rap as much as I researched other genres for this podcast because mm. um, I feel a little type of way about it. You know, like I love that music. Like, hip-hop and rap are probably some of the, like, coolest things that Black people have done. Mm. Period. But, like, and it's a huge but. Yeah. I can't I can't like something that's constantly degrading women. Yeah. And I'm sure that I'm going to get some, some, like, blowback of people. Like, yeah, but there are people who don't. Da, 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 da. I don't fucking care. When, when, the, when the most of the genre does it, then what are we looking at? Yeah, you know when most of the people that we would consider pioneers and rap and hip hop, and to a certain extent R and B, are are men that mm, I wouldn't want to be in a room by myself with. Mm. What What are we talking about, right? Like, because I'm ashamed to say that I'm recording this podcast through some beats by Dre, because apparently dr dre likes to beat people you know and he fucking beats women you know like it's on the record and you know like his wife is divorcing him right now because she claims to have been abused so and like this is one of the guys who was like one of the most influential people in that scene Mm. to this day right Mm. and it's like how how is that great disdain of women that you would beat them how does that not show up in your music yeah. it, it does right <laughs> like it does it shows up in the generation of men who looked up to him and other men like him mm-hmm. like nw that nwa movie pissed me the fuck off because it left out first of all all the women who stood by them and helped support them throughout the whole process and it left out all the fucking abuse that those men did towards women damn you know, like that's not whitewashing, but that's I don't know. We need to make up a term for that. They're completely changing the history of what that group was with mm. their little biopic, and I don't like it. You know, mm. like my favorite rapper is Tupac. I don't mm. like him very much. You know, like as the more I learned about him and his life and the way that he moved, like mm-hmm. no, right? Like you can. You can't you can't make Faith Evans an object in your petty beef with Biggie Smalls, mm. and then also make a song talking about how we need to protect women and da da da. These two things don't go together. Practice what you preach. Mm. You know, um, 
And there are just like lots of moments I feel like that. And I just, even just how women aren't given, black women aren't given the same opportunities in those genres and those two genres as they are in all the other ones doesn't sit right with me either mm. i'm like you mean to tell me like black women can't rap come on you you know what I mean? you mean to tell me that like queen latifah the brat even fucking little kim are less talented than these motherfuckers that are coming up right now mm. get out of here mm. Missy Elliott is less talented than the motherfuckers coming up right now? Uh uh. Uh uh. Then the motherfucker says she was a contemporary with. (sighs) Wow. So it, I, like, while it's one of, it's one of my, those two are one of my favorite genres, and I, like, you know, I'll listen to it. I'm also, just like I'm very careful about what country music I listen to, I'm very, very careful about what rap I listen to because, like, fuck that like Mm. y'all can make some music that does not put because like so much of like the negativity with rap is being or hip-hop is being directed towards not just women but black women in particular that i'm like oh no Mm. there are rappers that i really really fuck with right like i like shalish gambino um Mm. parts of him i could i could not i could take you know, I could go without, but you know, what are we gonna do? Nobody's perfect. <laughs> but like, you know, Kendrick, mm. um, sometimes J. Cole. Mm. But J. Cole also sometimes goes into that moment. Um, I like Chance. I think Chance is great. Chance has had mm. his moments where he's just been not with it too, you know? Mm. Um so you know and then the i haven't really gone into the like origins of it but you know like grandmaster flash flavor flav all these people like none of them really have great track records with women Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh oh sorry sorry i guess i i didn't talk about how um white people stole hip-hop and rap because that's pretty obvious to anyone with half a yeah yeah at this point um you know, there's exceptions to every rule. I personally think that, like, Eminem is very talented, but he's probably mm. my exception to that rule, but also mm. terrible with women and talks yeah. about it. Yeah. Writes a whole song about how he wants to drive off a bridge with his wife in the trunk. Like, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of work to be done. Um, but as it started off with good intentions, you know? Yeah. And I have every faith that it'll go back to that. Yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is the real MVP of this is R&B, which is the longest one that has been has been popular for the longest time. Mhm. And includes women in it. Yep. <laughs> um, and, um yeah, I think that's all I have for my history lesson today. <laughs> that was that was some good history lesson though. House and techno. What? I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to listen to a house or techno song the same. <laughs> 
it makes sense to me. I, I just don't, I don't know why I didn't connect it. Cause like probably my favorite artist from those genres is a black queer person, like Big Frida. Mm. Who's, who's like excellent, you know, like they're mm. the best. And I'm just like, oh, maybe that's why I, that's the only one I like. Yeah. <laughs> because it like, it's playing off what we already established. I don't know. I feel like after this, I'm going to go listen to some Frankie Knuckles. Yeah, same. And see if I like it or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I feel like there are so many artists that I didn't mention by name that I feel like I want to, but mm-hmm. we don't have that time. <laughs> eh. We talked a little bit about the cultural appropriation, but even without like the Black influence or even with the Black influence, who are your big stars? Who are your, like, legends? Hmm. I would say the first first song on the list, Shin Jung-hyun. He's, like, a legendary figure in, like, Korean rock. And then Nam Jin. He's, like, one of the legendary trot singers. So him and several others are, like, really up there. And then for, like, 70s to 80s period... There was this, like, not a real group, but a group called Sesibong, mm-hmm. which are, like, four male singers who were really popular during those periods. Oh, like the Traveling Rollberries. I don't know if I know them. Um, It was a group that consisted of, like, George Harrison, Tom Petty, um, Bob oh. Yeah. So like, yeah, people- kind of like that. Yeah. That's cool. And then, like, there are... Korean like idol groups. BTS. Right. <laughs> Our children are obsessed with BTS. <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Honestly, I, mean, I, I think a lot of Koreans share the similar feeling, but we didn't know that BTS will blow up like this. Yeah. Nobody knew. Because they were just another group. Um, they weren't originally doing well. Okay. There were like other really bigger groups like Big Bang or... I feel like I heard Big Bang before I heard BTS for sure. Yeah, yeah. Big Bang was huge, but they keep getting into trouble. So. <laughs> and BTS, like, it, like any other Korean idol groups right now, they can dance really well. Um, They can... Not every member, I guess, but like they work really hard. They sing. They're pretty boys, you know. I I just love that there's a whole generation of young girls swooning after Korean men. Like I love it. Like, I think that's great. <laughs> yeah. yeah, BTS is great. They're not my favorite group. <laughs> They're great. Who's your favorite group? My favorite K-pop group. Period right now is Mamamoo, which mm-hmm. are four girls that can dance pretty well and they can all sing. Mm-hmm. That's what so I like great. about them. And their personalities are great. But when I was growing up, HOT, Finkel, GOD, like there, there were like rival boy band groups and then rival girl band groups. It was crazy. Yeah, there's like. We, I mean, I feel like the entire world had a boy band phase. Yeah, uh, yeah. Starting with the Beatles until literally still now. Um, <laughs> but like, I just, for me, like, I, even black groups that are totally boy bands, mm-hmm. uh, I just don't associate them with being a boy band. Except for one. Mm. And that's B2K. 
That's totally a boy band. I it's feel like, like I've heard of them. It's like a Marion and um, oh, like all where a lot of them got the, who's in BTK, BTK. Um, yeah, so it's Omarion, J Book, Rosby, and Little Fizz. And Omarion obviously became the standout of that group. Mm-hmm. Voice of Men. Mm. What are other black boy bands? I don't, I feel like it's not, wasn't a popular. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. That band that came out um, from making the band with P. Diddy. Oh, I think it's Day, tw- day 26. Um, oh yeah, there's so many actually. I'm sorry, there's so many. I just I just don't associate them with what I what I should. Oh <laughs> like yeah, New Edition, Jodeci, who I really just think about more of Casey and Jojo mm-hmm. at this point. Um Drew Hill. I forget that Drew Hill was not just Drew Hill, Cisco, but it was mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Tony Tony Tony. Yeah. And my favorite, Black Street. You know, you know how many times I've said Black Street and white people have thought I mispronounced Backstreet? And I was like, no, I mean, I mean Black Street. <laughs> Interesting. Mm-hmm. You don't know No Diggity? Yeah, I know. They say it in the song. You're right. That is my, that is like a classic. I don't think I've ever had a pregame without listening to you. No, <laughs> no doubt. Play on player. Drake dropped the verse. <laughs> I I I fucking yeah. We're gonna put that one on your playlist because come on, no diggity, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, but boy bands. I I mean, I guess I don't think about the boy bands because like black girl bands were like the shit. Mm. <laughs> Uh, Destiny's Child. <laughs> mm, of course, of course. SWV, In Vogue. Um, oh, what's the other one that I really like? It's escaping me. I mean, TLC, obviously, as well. Mm-hmm. So many good ones. Salt and Pepper. Oh, I know. I'm mad at them right now, though. Oh. <laughs> I know. I'm talking about these people like we're friends, but like, I'm mad at them right now. Maybe I'll get over it, but they're like not trying to. They try to pretend like Spinderella wasn't a part, of, like wasn't a very huge part of their band and their act. Mm-hmm. She's a fucking DJ. You talked about her. You you talked to her in your songs. Spinderella cut it up one time. Like, come on. <laughs> that's a that's the beginning of let's talk about sex. Nah. Yeah, I'm just like, come on. Though I do love Salt and Pepper. I had a I had a friend from Mumbai. Mm-hmm. Um, and his favorite song in the entire planet was Push It. And he used to get, he was like a very, Ow. like, who was hilarious. He was a very quiet boy who didn't uh-huh. really, he was awkward around women, he didn't really talk to women. I was probably the only woman he talked to consistently. Um, and every time I put on Push It, he started dancing. <laughs> I, 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 I love that song forever because oh, of that. Nice. <laughs> And he would do the push it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> this is great. Monus is the best. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, black music is everywhere. Even in mm-hmm. Mumbai. That's the last thing I would think of someone in India is listening to. Salt and pepper. 
Alrighty, guys, that's it for us for the music episode. Thank you for listening and joining us on our musical journey in both cultures. Um, did we miss anyone? Leave us a comment on our Instagram if we missed anyone that should have been in this episode. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram at underscore S O U L A N D S E O U L. That's at underscore soul and soul. Um, Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, too, by the way, guys. Where you been? <laughs> yes. Also, subscribe to us on all of your major podcast apps. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. You know what? Mm-hmm. I like to play it. Mm-hmm. No dignity. No doubt. Mm-hmm.